Good morning, church. Good to have you joining us online. Uh, I wish I could say it was good to see you, but hopefully you are happy to see me. And um, I'm just thankful, even though uh, this is uh, certainly a difficult time, uh, thank God that we have the technology that we can do something like this. Uh, Just a few years ago, this would have been impossible. And actually for us, a few weeks ago, (laughs) it was practically impossible. But now we're able to uh, join together, even though we're separated in our homes, we can still be uh, united in spirit. And I'm very, very, very grateful for that. And today is Easter. And so we are celebrating the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the, the big message of the resurrection is the message of hope. And uh, we can turn to Christ to find hope in these difficult times that we're experiencing today. In any time of life, we can always turn to our Lord Jesus Christ. But we want to jump into the scriptures and do a, uh, uh, take a look at, at Easter. And I'm going to um, uh, use an uh, unusual verse. Uh, if you want to follow along with my notes... There's a link that you can go to. It's simply bit.ly, uh, B-I-T dot L-Y slash New Day Weekly Sermon. And so that same um, address, each week I'll upload uh, my sermon notes. So you can uh, go there. I usually would uh, put those on probably on Saturday if you want to look at the notes before I preach or follow along with the message text. Um, so I'm going to use an <clears throat> unusual passage. It's actually from 1 Thessalonians, uh, the first letter written to the church in Thessalonica by Paul. It is thought by scholars to be the first of all the epistles, the first letter written of all of the uh, New Testament letters. And so it's kind of interesting. It, it's different in its form and structure than all of Paul's other writings. And the church in Thessalonica, which is in what is now Greece, uh, was suffering hardship. And so Paul wrote the letter to the Christians in that city because they were suffering extreme difficulty. Although the hardship that they were facing, of course, was very, very different than what we're facing, there are some similarities. Um, They were facing persecution and possibly death simply for being a Christian. They were being persecuted by the Jews as well as by uh, different factions within the society, the Roman government. There was a lot going against them, and I'm sure there were times where they couldn't gather publicly. They had to gather secretly and support one another. And so Paul's heart went out to them, and he wrote this letter to encourage them and to comfort them. And so we're facing a a similar but different situation when we can't gather because of a pandemic. And uh, we are facing serious, serious health concerns. My heart goes out to the family members and the loved ones. Of uh, There's now 100,000, approximately 100,000 people in the world that have died because of this pandemic. And close to almost 20,000 in our own country. And we know that that number will likely go up. We pray that God would intervene and bring an end to this pandemic quickly. And we also pray blessing on all those that are working in the medical community to find a, a cure. And we, uh, but our hearts go out, and as we face 
death, potential sickness, death, and certainly the shutdown of our economy and all of the difficulties that are related to that, uh, we are facing suffering. We're, being, we're facing a type of persecution that the church in America has not experienced in a very, very, very long time. And folks, and this is real, and we want to turn to something uh, equally real to find comfort. Uh, even though the enemy we face is different from the enemy our brothers and sisters faced 2,000 years ago, the comfort and the encouragement of the gospel is the same. It's the same throughout all the generations. So let's jump to the passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14 through 18. I'll read it and then we'll talk a little bit about it. It says, For since we believe that Jesus died and that Jesus rose to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. And this is really the good news, the gospel, the good news, the message of the Bible, the message of the New Testament, the message uh, of Jesus Christ is summed up in three words. Jesus died, Jesus rose, and Jesus returns. And, and Paul and told the church in Thessalonica, encourage one another with these words. Even in the time where you're facing persecution and death, these words bring comfort. These words bring courage. Because it's when we're facing difficulty and tribulation, uncertainty, when we're challenged with fear, that's when you need courage. You don't need courage when everything is going fine and the economy is going great and, and you're healthy. You need courage when you're facing something you're afraid. When you're facing the unknown. That's when you need courage. And we can encourage one another with these words. What words? Jesus died, Jesus rose, and Jesus will return. Let's look at these same three words from a passage more commonly used. Uh, when speaking of the resurrection, and this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to jump around that chapter a little bit, but I'm going to start with chapter uh, 15, verses 1 through 4, where it talks about this. It's, uh, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. So here again, uh, the gospel is, sum uh, this is a summary of the gospel, the good news. Uh, which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand, by which you also are saved, 
If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you, uh, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died. Christ died. Same, same, same expression that we found in, Thessalonica, in, the, in the letter of the Thessalonians. Christ died for our sins according to Scripture, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the, on the third day according to the Scripture. So this is a summary of the Gospel. Christ died according to the Scriptures. And one of the main Scriptures that foretold of Christ's suffering and death is found in the, in the prophet Isaiah, which was written hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, uh, before Jesus was even uh, born, Isaiah prophesied about the suffering Messiah would endure. In Isaiah 53, verse three, uh, chapter 53, verse 3 through 6. Let's read that. It says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was for our weaknesses He carried. It was our sorrows that weighed Him down. And we thought His troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for His own sin. But He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. So in that powerful passage, it, it prophesied Jesus' suffering, the suffering of the Messiah. And we see that happen to Jesus Christ in the gospel stories, when, the story when he was arrested and beaten and crucified. Paul explains uh, what, the, what was happening in, in Romans chapter 5, 17. says that for the sin of one man, Adam, so what Paul is doing here is explaining in the book of Romans how our condition and the condition of humanity is related to Christ's sacrifice and, and death, and that we all suffered, uh, we inherited sin, we, we were born into a sin-broken uh, humanity because Adam sinned. It says, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. So because of sin, death had the rule. But even God's, uh, even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness. Okay, so God's grace and God's gift of righteousness is greater than death. And that's demonstrated in Christ's resurrection. Let me go on. Again, this is Romans 5, 17 and 18. God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness is greater. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Wow! Jesus' death reverses the curse 
that came on mankind as a result of Adam's sin. Where, where Adam failed and chose his will and not the Father's will, Jesus succeeded in choosing the Father's will and not his will and, 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 and allowed himself to be tortured, allowed himself to uh, die in our place, taking our sin. This is powerful. So what does this mean for us? What does Jesus' death mean for you and for me? This is so important, uh, saints, to understand and to understand why this can give us hope and this can encourage us because it, it, it takes us out of being under the power of death, out of being under the inherited sin nature of Adam and into a place, if we receive it, of Christ's righteousness. God's wonderful grace is more powerful than sin and death. God's wonderful grace is more powerful than any sin that you struggle with. Any sin that you've uh, struggled with, the, with the, the effects of it. Maybe it's a sin of others that have caused your suffering. Or maybe it's a, um, a sin that you've struggled with for years. God's grace is more powerful than that. And God's grace is more powerful than death. And unfortunately, we're seeing the, the, uh, the death of so many because of this virus. But listen, everyone dies. Everyone. Throughout all of history, there's no one that's had enough faith to not die. Because it's appointed for man once to die. And when Jesus said, follow me, you know where he went? He went to the cross and he died. And that's part of following Christ, is following him through the valley of the shadow of death, knowing that he is there with us. And so the message that Jesus was willing to die means that he's, he, he is willing to go through what we will go through. And that means that we don't have to fear death because even in death, were with Christ. Jesus took the penalty that we could not bear on the cross and triumphed over sin. We couldn't die for our own sin. That would be, we would end with death. But because Jesus died who was sinless and he took the penalty of the sins of all mankind, when we are with Christ, we inherit his righteousness. Think of it. No sin has dominion over us anymore and what this means <clears throat> it's actually a, a verse uh, in another place in romans sin shall not have dominion over you it means that once you're a christian once you come into relationship with jesus christ once you accept jesus's death on the cross as payment for your sin payment for your guilt payment for your sh uh, shame Payment for every uh, dysfunction you may have or every dysfunction you have in your family or in your society that Jesus' death paid for that and enables you to access his righteousness. What that means is you and I, we never have to sin again. I challenge people, I say, <clears throat> do you think you can, can go one minute without sinning? And most people go, yeah, yeah, I can go a minute without sinning. I'm like, great. Just do it minute by minute, and you'll never sin again. One minute at a time. Stay in the place of wonderful grace.
and you're free from sin. Now, it doesn't mean we will never sin. Because if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. He's the payment. But it means that we don't have to sin. And there's a world of difference between having the freedom to choose. You know what? Even though I've given in to this temptation a thousand times in the past, I choose today to give in to Jesus and to follow His righteousness. We have that freedom because Jesus died on the cross and we're empowered to live the righteousness of Christ. To live in right relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. So that means not only can we have the power to avoid doing wrong behavior, even more importantly, much more importantly, is that we have been empowered to do right behavior. To walk in love and joy and peace. And even in the supernatural power that Jesus displayed while he was on the earth, we can pray for the sick and see them healed. We can preach truth and, and, and give hope to people. We can, we can minister life. So it empowers us to be free from sin and to, be, to live in righteousness. That's the first word, Jesus died. The second is that Jesus rose. Again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, He was buried and that he rose again the third day according to Scripture. This story is explained uh, in more detail in Matthew 28, verse 1 through 10. And because it's Easter, I have to read the Easter story, so follow along with me. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, so this was Sunday morning, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb, and behold... There was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know who you seek. Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And he said, Come and see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I've told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. I like that. There was a combination. You know, this is a very emotional experience. And uh, it's unfortunate uh, that many people read Scripture and uh, as we mature in, in our Christianity, sometimes we lose touch with the emotions. But the Scriptures are filled with the emotion and the experience of encountering Christ is an emotional experience and so here are the two Marys, and they were filled with fear. I mean, wouldn't you be filled with fear if you, I mean, these Roman soldiers, these are like the elite soldiers, like uh, our, in our day it would be like the SEAL team. They were terrified to the point they fell over like they were dead. They passed out. And there's this angel, and the tomb is open, and they were able to look in, and Jesus' body wasn't there. They were afraid, but they also had joy. What a strange combination of fear and joy. 
And they ran to bring his disciples the news. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! I love it. I can't wait to hear the, to watch the, the, the video. I doubt it's a video. It'll probably be a, a, I don't know what it will be like, but I'm sure we'll be able to see it. <laughs> I want to see, I, you know, what, how did he say that? Was it like, rejoice? You know, rejoice! Who knows? Um, the word uh, just means be happy. Be cheerful. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Uh, go tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So this story of the resurrection in each gospel uh, depicts different aspects of that event, and you can read through them. But this is what we celebrate on this Easter morning. And it's encouraging to me that there are nearly 3 billion Christians worldwide that celebrate Easter. So as we celebrate today, you may be alone in your home or with your uh, immediate family, but you're not alone. Worldwide, nearly 3 billion people, their lives have been changed because they believe that Jesus rose. That's incredible. And the whole of human history, I was thinking uh, this past week, it comes to my mind from time to time, that, that um, you know, uh, the date, it's 2020, right? But the whole world, the calendar system is based on the entrance of Christ, is dated when Jesus came. And I don't think that's just a coincidence. I think it's amazing that we measure time itself based on, on the coming of our Lord Jesus and that his resurrection changed all of time, reset the, 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 the direction of human race for those who receive him. Peter's first sermon after the resurrection and uh, um, uh, the story as it uh, continues in the book of Acts, he uh, and the disciples are in the upper room. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, he goes out on the balcony and he preaches to the thousands that were there. And his message about Jesus' life and his death as demonstration of the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies uh, uh, concludes and climax in the proclamation that, of Jesus' resurrection. This is found in Acts 2.32. Peter said, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of that. The gospel is the proclamation of what we're celebrating today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when, when Peter preached that, the whole crowd responded, what shall we do? What is the response to the message that Jesus rose from the dead? It's very easy. Really, it's, it's simple. It may not be easy, but it's simple. It's you repent for your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So you repent. You have a change of mind where you no longer are pursuing your will, but you repent. You confess that your life, you have made errors, you've been wrong, and you accept His life his righteousness, and his lordship in your life. And on that day when Peter said that, 3,000 people became Christian. And we see through the, out, um, uh, uh, through the 
playing out of the gospel uh, work in the church in the book of Acts that wherever they would go they'd preach the message of the resurrection and people would get saved and thousands would be saved uh, simply by hearing the words Jesus rose so what does that mean for us today it means that Jesus was who he claimed to be Jesus is the Messiah the prophesied one who would come to redeem mankind from the curse it means that Jesus is God the Son. His resurrection demonstrates that sin had no power over him. Death had no power over him. Satan had no grasp on him. His resurrection means that Jesus is Lord of all. He conquered the greatest enemy of mankind, and that's death itself. And so Jesus is Lord over all. Sin and death no longer have power over us. The grave no longer is a prison. And regardless of what happens in this life or the hardships we endure, we can have victory in Christ Jesus. That's what the resurrection means. It means that death is not the end of the story, just as it was not the end of Jesus' story. That new life awaits Whatever suffering we are facing in this life, we know that the end of the story is resurrection life and an eternity where we will be with Jesus and with all of the other saints in glory forever and ever. It means that hope is available now. Whatever you're facing, okay, and I know some people are reacting to this pandemic differently. And, you know, right now the the big fear is the pandemic, and am I going to get sick? Are my loved ones going to get sick? How Am I going to lose my job? But that fear changes. I, you know, uh, after 9-11, it was the terrorists. Is there going to be another terrorist strike? And we saw how that changed the world, and no doubt there will be lasting change as a result of this pandemic. But you know what? We face fear uh, if we go to the doctor and... The diagnosis is not good. We face fear in so many different ways. The resurrection gives us hope in the face of every fear. And so if you're experiencing fear, remember Christ's resurrection. Whatever comes, hope awaits. And we can have confidence in that. The last word is Jesus returns. And uh, this is found at the end of uh, chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. It says, Behold, uh, verse 51 through 57. Oops, I've got to do this. Jesus returns. There we go. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. So, so the Bible is describing what's going to happen when Jesus returns. For in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is in the law. 
But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have been given the victory over sin and death. I've been given the victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection and his promised return. So Jesus' return means now to us that our faith is not merely a religion about ideas. That doesn't, that's not strong enough. That's not powerful enough. Our faith is a relationship with a real person that will return and will share his victory with us eternally. It means that our faith uh, is rooted in history. The resurrection actually happened. It's relevant for the, for the now. It's meaningful now in the present. It changes my perspective. It affects my emotions. It's, has changed. it's radically changed my life. Uh, realizing that Jesus rose from the dead and that he promised to return. And it's looking forward to the future. So, so, so the, what we're celebrating, the Easter story, is past, present, and future oriented. It's all wrapped up into one. Because when Christ returns, that's the ultimate, ultimate fulfillment of the new life that he obtained for us on the cross. I think it also means that our life matters. Jesus returning means that our life matters. It gives us purpose. We're part of this story. All right? We live now to declare the resurrection and his return. We're a vital part of the story. When Jesus rose from the dead, that wasn't the end of the story. No, the next, the next chapter was he commissioned his disciples to carry this message to the end of the earth. And so you're a disciple. If you choose to be, if you receive what Christ did uh, uh, on the cross, you become part of the story uh, to declare the message until his return. He rose for our victory and our righteousness, and he will return for uh, uh, to, to deliver us eternal victory and to take us with Him. It means that our hope is in a person, Jesus Christ. His return is that we're looking forward to a person coming home and taking us home, actually. And that is a wonderful thing. How we respond now will determine our future. And so this brings us to a very important part. Easter is about Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, and Jesus' return. And how we respond in the present determines how we will, what we will experience when Jesus returns. If you accept Jesus' death on the cross and believe in Jesus' resurrection and look forward to, to His return now... When he returns, you will be received. You will rise to meet him in the air and you will be with him forever. But if you reject his death on the cross, if you deny his resurrection, then when Christ returns, you will encounter uh, him in a much different way. It says every knee will bow. Those who willingly accept him will bow in adoration. But those who have rejected him will bow in subjection. And your chance is now to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. 
to believe that there's something beyond death that we can look forward to and that Jesus' declaration and His resurrection was true. And the reason that it's changed billions upon billions of lives is because it has the power to change the life of those who receive it. And so I ask you, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? And, and in doing so, have you died to yourself, your self-will? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And are you living, choosing to live in right relationship, resurrection power now? And finally, are you ready? Are you ready for and actively proclaiming His return? That's what we're looking forward to. But you need to embrace it. And you need to be living for it. And you need to be proclaiming it. It's the message of the gospel.